I'm Bill Hayes, and along with Don Landry, welcome aboard this flight of fancy for another week. Is the NHL All-Star Game a waste of time? Merrill streaks again. Tim Thomas proves goalies really are different, and maybe more than a little nuts. Guess who's broke? How dare Colbert? And lots more coming right up. This is the gist of it. Politics, sports, entertainment, pop culture. It's all fair game here. Somewhere in the city of Toronto, two brains are about to collide. What will remain is the gist of it. Here now are Don Landry and Bill Hayes. Bill, goalies have always been known to be a little different, a little crazy, even batch crazy. But tea party crazy? That is a whole new level, Tim Thomas. That's, they'll get my goalie stick for me when they pry it for my cold dead hands, crazy. I have two slightly diverging viewpoints on Thomas's decision not to visit the White House this week to celebrate the Boston Bruins Cup victory. I'm okay, way okay actually, with his decision to make a political statement. Every citizen's allowed to do that, should be encouraged to do so. I'd be a hypocrite, so would you, to say otherwise just because I think his views are cartoonish. Can't say he's just a hockey goalie, don't care what he has to say. After all, I'm only a media guy, and I don't think it'd be right for you to tell me to pipe down because I'm not a pro-politician. After all, politicians all come from other walks of life, or at least most of them do. If you're a concerned and motivated citizen, vocalize it. No problem. But I will reserve the right to also speak out and tell you I believe what you're saying may be climb the backstop crazy. But my other view on this, from the sportsmanship and team camaraderie standpoint, Thomas blew it. He was selfish and bratty and perfectly willing to place the focus on him when it should have been on his team, its accomplishments, and a celebration of national prominence, even if it was just a photo op. Well, here's the thing. I, I, I agree with you about that last part. I, I think uh, what he did was make himself the story rather than, you know, uh, the visit to the White House. And, and uh, I think he was wrong in doing that. As for his political beliefs, I could care less what he thinks. Uh, do I think he's nuts? Probably. But I think everybody who, uh, you know, who thinks like any of the Tea Partiers is, as you put it, batshit crazy. Yes. Uh, there's no question that that's nuts. That's, it, that's in, it, incredibly insane. I think he missed an opportunity to actually talk to someone who could do something. And, I, you know, most of the time when I think of athletes, actors, musicians who get involved politically, I say to myself, who cares? And in Tim Thomas's case, I'll double that because I don't even like the Bruins. But I think this is where the hypocrisy comes in, Bill. Don't you think my point about, you know, saying I don't care, he's just a goalie or he's just an actor. Look, Sean Penn is perfectly within his rights and he's a smart guy. Mm -hmm. Some might consider him a radical depending on where they are on the, in the political spectrum. George Clooney, I, I don't mind hearing from these guys. Ronald Reagan became president of the United States. It's like I say, politicians often come from other walks of life. So just because a guy is a goalie or just because they are an actor doesn't mean I should use that to disengage from what they're saying or, or completely uh, disrespect it, uh, if you know what I mean. I know exactly what you mean. I mean, oh, he's just a rock star. Well, he's, he's obviously more than that. Obviously more than that. And to discount what he says, does, tries to accomplish because uh, he's saying mysterious ways, I think, I think that's folly. I, see, I, I see it a little differently. I, I think we all have political beliefs. I think those guys have a, a forum for them that, that is not 
available to everybody else. But I don't think it adds any more credence or any less credence to what they say. Yeah. I really don't care. But they I, can say whatever they want. It doesn't mean anything to me. And Tim Thomas is just the latest example of that. Right. I mean, you don't have to use your platform of, of wide acceptance or uh, of fame to uh, forward the ball in a political dis- discussion. You don't have to. I don't have a problem with people who just want to be, you know, a singer or a movie star. But if you feel strongly about something and have decided that you've attained a certain level of fame that might be able to get your voice out there and make it stronger, go for it if you really believe in in what you're talking about. Because great political minds can come from other walks of but here's, life. Here's like, the thing, who, who comes out of you know high school as part of the junior conservatives or liberals and is a career politician? It there are happen. some. There are some, but but not often. Right? Here's the thing, though, about that, and and, and I. I agree with everything you're saying for the most part except for me i don't care i to, right. i i don't want i as a matter of fact i think it's a bad sign if bono means something more not because of his views or what he's saying but because he's u2 singer to me that's a that's a sad reflection on our society really i just look absolutely i don't think why should his his words or his beliefs mean anything more than the guy who's a driving the bus it it shouldn't make any difference it does because Somehow, it's this wannabe culture that we live in adds to it. And in Tim Thomas's case, to me, the story was not about his political views at all. I, I could care less. The story to me was he put himself above his team. That's where he went wrong. Yeah, he also missed an opportunity. Sure he did. When you, know, when you think about it, you talk about you know having an opportunity to talk to somebody who can make change. Well, never mind that. He could have cut out about, what, eight, nine steps in the coup d'etat playbook. I mean, it would have been right inside the White House, right near the guy, okay? <laughs> I mean, you, you, you know all the steps you have to go through if you want to turn over your government and bring back your liberty. You could have been in there. You could have been a mole. You could, who knows? They could have loaded him up. The Michigan militia could have loaded him up with some kind of a listening device, whatever. He missed that opportunity. But, and if Tim Thomas is such a libertarian, here's what I'd like to see. Whenever he is playing goal for the Boston Bruins, I would like to see the NHL waive the liberty robbing rules about crease infractions. Just let people run amok. And you know what? Again, with that goalie stick from his cold, dead hands, mm-hmm. he can fend for himself. What's goaltender interference but, you know, another way the man is robbing forwards of their liberties, Bill? The gist of it. Don, one of the things that really fascinates me is how so many people look up to athletes. Not for the tremendous people they are, but for the tremendous paychecks they cash. It's jealousy, plain and simple. It is true that the real stars make a ton of money, though. Take Terrell Owens, for example. In a Hall of Fame career that lasted 15 years in the NFL, Owens made over $80 million. So why did he recently sign to play indoor football with a team called the Allen Wranglers? Because he's broke. Owens grew up poor, never had a father figure in his life, has no idea still to this day how to take care of his money. 
he got some pretty bad advice, too. For instance, he put $2 million into a sports complex in Atlanta. Sounds pretty good, right? Yeah. Well, it featured electronic bingo, which is illegal in the state of Georgia. He lost a lot of money when the real estate market bottomed out, and he made other investments that were money losers as well. Like a lot of athletes, he got used to living the high life, and he's hoping some other team will sign him for one more season. But it's not likely to happen. Owen's story is worse than most, but he's not the only athlete to lose it all. It sadly is a long list. So next time you think you'd want that life, remember, for the athletes living it, it's not the set-for-life model you think it is. In that sense, it's kind of like a lottery winner. It's nice to have the big bucks, but it's a whole lot nicer when you know how to handle it. Yeah, absolutely. But I think the majority of them do, don't you? Don't you believe this is a case of exception, proving the oh, rule I don't or think illustrating so, right? the You think most athletes who make that kind of money uh, just fritter it all away? I wouldn't say most, but I think a lot of them do. Because a lot of them, well, if you, if you look at it, as I might look at it, if I'm making $15 million a year, I can't fathom how I can spend $15 million a year. Right. So it becomes too much money. And in fact, you cannot spend that kind of money. It's been done before. I've heard of stories of other athletes who have uh, done the same sort of thing, who have had incredible contracts, incredible amounts of money coming in, but somehow more going out. Yeah. Well, you know, because it... it it just depends on the type of personality you have, too. I mean, if you're kind of uh, conservative fiscally and then you become a superstar athlete, I think you're going to be okay and you're going to care more about it. But if you've just been on this free ride because you were a great high school football player and everybody treated you specially and through university, mm-hmm. and now you're making all kinds of money, and you didn't in university if you're an American football player. Nudge, nudge, wink, make, wink. Yeah. Um, then all of a sudden, you know, buying drinks for your close friends, but also their friends, and then the guy that you just met last week and you can't remember his name, but sure, c- come on, we're going to buy you know uh, $1,000 bottles of champagne and spending $84,000 in a night seems like a good idea because I'm making $6.5 million. This is nothing. Yep. And so I think it's easy to fall into yeah. that kind of a trap. Never mind guys like Mike Tyson who may have you know bought into that, but as well, obviously surrounded himself with people who could not be trusted and who just plain ripped them but off. But that's the point. That's what a lot of them do. Because they become the big man on campus. They're the ones with the money. Yeah. They're not just feeding their own egos. They're feeding the families of everybody else around them. All, too many times you see guys who are making that kind of money who have entourages. Uh, you know, not like the TV show. Although maybe a little bit like that. Right. <laughs> They're not paying their way. I know. And the deal is, that's fine provided you can keep a handle on how much money you're spending. A lot of these guys can't. And the other part of it, too, is, and I think, again, this is kind of the way most of us are wired. They can't fathom the idea that at some point the money tap is going to get turned off. Right. But I don't don't feel sorry for a guy like Terrell Owens, and it's not because I don't particularly like the guy. Um, Look at it this way. $80 million, what a sweet ride that had to be. And you can look at it that way. It was a terrific ride, wonderful, but eventually the roller coaster stops and you get off. And if you don't have another ticket in your pocket, you can't Is that the ride the again. But it doesn't mean further? it wasn't a good ride, right? Nah, well, it's not going to be a good ride for the next 30 years of his life. That's the problem. This is The Gist of It with Landry and Hayes. I'm not sure what's funnier about Rob Ford's comments about those who oppose him on council being two steps left of Joe Stalin just that they couldn't possibly be, and you shouldn't compare a municipal councillor to a mass murderer of millions. 
It may be that he called him Joe. <laughs> like, like a real casual kind of reference. These guys are just two steps left of Joe Stalin. I mean, come on. Me? I'm maybe a step or two right of Benny Mussolini. Do you know Ben? Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, I do. Uh, <laughs> I find it kind of funny but sad at the same time. I right. mean, uh, this is a guy who um, doesn't know Maggie Atwood. Well, that was his brother, wasn't it? I think that was Doug. Oh, I don't think he knew either. And he certainly didn't know uh, Mark Delahunty. I Doug Ford may not know Joe Stalin if you passed him on the street, I suppose. <laughs> uh, here's the point. I, you know, I think Rob Ford is, is very much a man of the people. I think the people he's a man of are pretty simple people, really. Uh, most people would... Right. Would not know that you know Joseph Stalin was the guy he's talking about. It's just simply Joe. Joe. Right? It's like it's like that Joey hockey Stalls, mentality. Think, hey Joey, just... Joey Stalls. Yeah, exactly. It's the same sort of thing. Pass me the puck, Joey Stalls. <laughs> what would you? That's a great question though for you. If Stalin was a hockey player, what would you call him? <laughs> Stalin. Hey Stalin. Of course you would. That's what all hockey nicknames are. Right, Hazy? Yeah, true enough. I, Lombardi was Lombo. That kind of threw me off. I kind of thought yeah, I'd be well, Lombardi. Yeah. I think I'd be Lanzi. You, oh, for like sure. Like I said, it's just you, you don't be. take the first syllable, add an S, and then a Y. It's <laughs> true. It's, 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 it's so simple, and so is Rob Ford. Well, I, I, that is true. Uh, you know, beyond that, he also said something that I was reading. You know, we talked about this last week to back up the truck just a little bit, and I was hopeful that we were entering a new age of maybe a cooperation in politics. I know that you're. <laughs> I know you're a little cynical about that, but there's, you know, read the Globe and Mail today. There's a piece about, you know, those at City Hall thinking that because last week during the budget debate and in, in the uh, eventual voting, that there are uh, people of different political stripes coming together to try and get what's best for everybody involved. Compromise, communication, mm -hmm, that whole sure. thing. So it may be that that's the way it's going to be. I mean, you can call it the mushy middle if you want. You know, that's just, you know, again, incendiary and simplistic rhetoric coming from some people down at City Hall. Really what it is is moderates saying... As I said last week, enough from both of you on the left side well, and the like right side. Well, like you said last week, it's finding the middle. Yes, and, so, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's a great Canadian tradition to compromise, to try and, and make people, everybody, as happy as possible. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not weakness. I, in fact, I think it's, it's strength. But Rob Ford then went on to say uh, something in this piece. He was quoted as saying that um, it's, it's the liberals and the conservatives versus the NDP. And I think he's wrong on that count because I think liberals are the moderates that I'm talking about, mm -hmm. traditionally so. So I think it's liberals versus the conservatives and the NDP. Not Again, trying to position liberals and conservatives together, and if you're not with me as a moderate here with the rest of the moderates and the conservatives, then you're obviously two steps left of Joe Stalin. It's, it's kind of ridiculous, it's simplistic, and it's insulting. I wouldn't want to be, by the way, within two steps of Joe Stalin. I think he had a... <laughs> Hell of a right, and he also had a whole lot of guns. But the point here is, yeah. you, you talk about the, uh, the the left and the right. We've seen in, in other instances, certainly looking south of the border and whatnot, that we live in a macho time. You can't compromise. And, and maybe Josh Matlow and the rest of the guys who are considered to be a, a, a middle in, at, uh, at City Hall are bringing in something new. I tend to think that's not the case. I, I also tend to think that a guy like Rob Ford, especially because of the way he is, he's a one-trick pony. He really is. I don't mind the trick, mind you, but he, that's what he is. And consequently, he's going to see everything through that prism. He's very much a you're with me or you're again me type, yeah, I know. type of guy. And you know, you got to be dreaming to if you think that's not going to change. Now, again, we're seeing stories about, you know, Can't they're, see they're, it. They're, well, look, he has to, Bill. He had to last week. Look, he, it's not about him. 
It's not. It's a different Someone setup. Someone tell him that, Don. Well, it doesn't matter what he understands, Bill. It's what is actually going to happen through the machination of voting process, uh, the voting process down at City Hall. You have to have councillors on side, enough votes to get through what you want. And if you don't have it because the moderates are starting to rule the roost, then you have to compromise to get something. We're seeing it. It may happen. Karen Stintz steps away from that's his, right. you know, his Eglinton proposal. And that's proposal. a surprise, by and the way. And now we're hearing about a possible compromise, and it might happen, where more of uh, the Eglinton line might be above ground, saving $1.5 billion, which might be used for another project that the mayor wants, which is to extend the uh, uh, the Shepherd subway station. Out he to has Victoria to have Park. that, too. So, I yeah. mean, there you go. There's another situation where compromise might rule the roost, and it might be a pretty good solution for just about everybody involved. So people on the far right, people on the far left could say what they I want. I understand they can, what you're they saying. They can us against them all they want, but they just may not be getting their way for the foreseeable future. I understand what you're saying. I just don't see Rob Ford as being the vehicle for doing it. Tough. This is The Gist of It with Hayes and Landry. Don, I know you're a big fan of Jon Stewart and Stephen Colbert, and they are pretty funny. I, I do get a kick out of watching both of them. I think it's interesting that, for me, Stewart comes across as a, uh, well, an intellectual, a comedian, yeah. and a guy who works with politics. And, you know, you may disagree or agree with whatever he has to say, his... his uh, his stuff is pretty funny, and I've seen him talk to people on both sides of the spectrum, right wing, left wing, so I think he's somewhat fair-minded, certainly more so than some other people would have you believe. Um, Colbert's a very different animal, though, because Colbert, while he does the same thing, he pokes fun at politics, he does it in character. Yeah. And to me, there's there's even more genius involved in that because he doesn't break character. Well, I think the Colbert Report is the best-written and executed show on television. Yeah, he's very good. Period. No question. It's, Stop. You know, he's, uh, it really is. It, the writing is brilliant. The uh, the fact that... Well, I'll give you a great example of just what I mean of why I think he's so good. I watched him last week on the morning of the uh, primary in... Uh, the morning before the primary in, in uh, South Carolina, or North Carolina, which was Friday. The, the primary was actually on Saturday. I watched him on Morning Joe, which was being done out of some... Uh, cafe or something uh, in, right. in one of the cities there doesn't matter which and they interviewed him and he answered things in character uh, very cleverly and the whole point that he's trying to get across is how ludicrous the American presidential political system is right now how you can have these super PACs that are answerable to nobody that can say anything as often as they want, because it doesn't matter how much money they have, um, is bastardizing the whole process. Yeah. That's what he's doing. I think he's getting the point across spectacularly well. I think well. so, too. It's a, and I'm a big fan of his, so maybe I'm not going to be the most objective. Um, but I think it's been sensationally clever the way they have uh, skewered super PACs mm -hmm. and their non-coordinating coordination. To watch... He and John Stewart not coordinate with each other Brilliant. on each other's shows. It's very, very yeah. funny. And it has enlightened me. Look, this is a topic that easily, if it's handled in serious fashion, click, 
I, I may never have known what a pack was, what a super pack was, right. what it meant, how silly it was. I may never have learned that in American society due to a Supreme Court decision, money is speech. Yep. And, and, and all of that and what that entails, I may never have learned any of this. But since it was done so beautifully well, satirically well, and is very funny, not only was I enjoying the program, but I'm learning about what you can and can't do. Oh God! There's not much you can't do with a super pack. Pretty is there? much, really. Yeah, you and you can basically, you can co- you can communicate with someone who's handling your super pack if you're communicating with other people. So that and that was part of their satire, yeah. right? It was like I can talk on television to a bunch of people about what I might like or not like to, but I've not said it to you directly. But if you're watching me on TV, they even went so far as to have Colbert on Stewart's show and do a little cardboard cutout. I of the saw TV it. Screen. It was brilliant. Very funny. And again, so I find this to be enlightening. I find it to be um, a real breath of fresh air and educational. But I know that some think that he is just making a mockery of the system, and that is untoward and unhelpful at this time. I don't agree. I, I find it really funny you say that. because I agree with you, by the way. There, there are a lot of people who, who think he stepped not just over the line, but way over the line. Um, I mentioned seeing him on Morning Joe, uh, Joe Scarborough and uh, the rest of the, the people who were there interviewing that morning were finding him hysterical. And I think one of the problems you have with this is, because let's face it, those folks are, they're on MSNBC along with Fox and to some extent CNN as well. Yeah. They take this stuff as serious as a heart attack. They saw the humor in it. I don't know whether they realized that a lot of that humor was aimed at them, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and I think that might be one of the problems with this because I think some people would look at this and go, yeah, yeah, okay, but still want the status quo to remain quo, if you know what I'm saying. I do, They yeah. don't get what he's really saying. And, and these, are, these are some of the people who are criticizing are Democrats, too. Oh, and, yeah, and again, it's on both look, sides. I don't really know what Stephen Colbert believes. I mean, that's part of the That's a good point. He too. really doesn't. He, he may be... A staunch Democrat who started this show to send up the Republicans and does it gleefully, or he might be of a, a Republican mind and is able to say things that maybe he doesn't quite believe. I find that the latter to be hard to believe, but it's just because the way he does right? it. Oh but yeah, it's absolutely possible. Yeah, uh, his simplicity is brilliant. By the way, yeah. the character he 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 portrays is beyond genius. Yeah. And like you say, it is the best written show on television, bar none, anywhere. Um, I just think sometimes, maybe a lot of times, it goes over the, the head of the people it's really aimed at. Skewer, skewer, skewer. Political systems in the United States, Canada, wherever. Always been a place for that. Always will be. Mm-hmm. From editorial cartoons in their simplest of, uh, in the simplest of forms, right? I mean, in print, here's a cartoon making the prime minister, the president, look silly because mm-hmm. you disagree. Now we've gotten into a new age where you can do so much more. And as it turns out, you can jump right into the political system and tear it apart from inside simply because the rules are there aren't really any rules. It's not often in the world of sports that I sit back and go, whoa, when it comes to contracts. And uh, Prince Fielder's contract with the Detroit Tigers is, is one of those that does that for me. Not in a big way, because again, we've seen it so, so often. Uh, long gone are the days when a guy made, what, a million a year? That's yeah. insane. 
And, you know, the A-Rod contract and, and you know, legions of other contracts since then have come. But, I mean, what is it, $214 million over nine years? Wow. You know, I thought, as soon as I, the first thing wow. I thought was <laughs> Gary Bettman somewhere sitting there going, this is fantastic. Do I have five or six franchises available, Prince, if you're interested? He should have tweeted at him. <laughs> you may have another owner for an NHL franchise there, Gary. But uh, it's it's just a stupid amount of money. It works out to what about twenty one million a year or something? A little or more 20, than that. Actually. Is it about yeah. twenty four? So it's less than a rod, really. That twenty five million dollar deal that uh, that he had signed. But uh, and remember, Jordan's was what at one point was like oh, thirty million per year. The money is ridiculous. I mean, Prince Fielder, that kind of money? Are you kidding? You know, the guy is round. I'm, I mean, he's round. He's not a round person. He can really belt the other round thing, which is the baseball, and send it nine years into down the, the road, stratosphere. Uh, Imagine what he's going to look like then. That's the part of it that I mean, if it's just the same amount of money every year, uh, and it's not one of those NHL style contracts where it steps way down yeah, yeah. near the yeah. end where you can trade him. He's and making it's forty million this year. It's and against then, yeah, yeah, it's exactly. this much against the cap, but you're not really making that much money. Uh, it, it could come back to haunt them. So it's not, it's not a contract that I would ever want. Oh, to I sign would with somebody. I was no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, as a general manager. I mean, yeah. I, I just, I, I think I. Well, but if my owner gave me the go ahead, <laughs> damn the torpedoes. Sure. Well, let's it, get them. It tells you why uh, AA and the Blue Jay were not allowed to uh, get in on this. I, I yeah. mean, the reality is that if this is the way money is starting to be spent in Major League Baseball. The Blue Jays will officially never win anything. I know. You What's know disappointing happen. about the Blue Jays to me is that if you look at the Darvish sweepstakes, which mm-hmm. they lost, what was it? It was reported thirty or forty million dollars to talk to him. Then you know what was the contract that he signed? Another uh, seventy million, was, sixty million. I think it was sixty million for five years, and it, it cost you fifty-two million to actually get a chance to speak to him. So right. it's one hundred and twelve million dollars. So, but but I mean, if they had gotten. You know the rights to speak to him for the thirty or forty. Let's call it thirty. Let's be conservative on it. And then you got to sign him for another sixty or seventy. There's a hundred million dollars oh, yeah. you're willing to spend somewhere. What have they done since? Okay, Brandon Morrow gets a new deal. Excellent. I'm very excited. Not against Brandon. He's a good pitcher. But I was looking forward to them doing something with that money. Um, in putting it towards maybe somebody who has played in the major leagues and has shown, oh, obviously, Prince Fielder was, was out of their price range. Oh, you're but, kidding. Well, you had $100 million earmarked for a guy who's never thrown a ball in Major League Baseball. And, and what are you doing with that money now? Nothing. This is not a new topic, but it's one we haven't been able to talk about yet. And who, if would you affix a larger set of goat horns uh, to somebody in particular when it came to the NFC and AFC championships. Wow. Um, I, you know what? I don't blame Kyle Williams. I, I mean, he's doing a dangerous job. Um, the, the, the second fumble, the one that ended up costing them, was a good play by the Giants. So, I, you know, I don't blame him for that. Well, and the first one was bad luck. Yeah, it hit him. It, it was. I mean, yeah. you're trying to get out of the way. Yeah. You, it's and it, it just barely touched him. But it, it happens. It, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. The the uh, for that guy. The Billy Cundiff thing. I don't feel I, so badly I, for him. Well, you know. No, it was good hold. Good snap. Good hold. He he blew it. Though the guy who really blew it was Lee Evans. Because that, I still yeah. think that was a touchdown. I, yeah. I've looked at that. No. I think it was. He didn't I get think the second he had foot down. Enough. He did not get the second foot down. I thought, Look well, at it again, Bill. I thought he did. Look at I it again. He did, he did not get the second close. foot down. But here's no. the problem with that. Even if I'm wrong, and 
I'll admit there's a possibility. Apparently, everyone else in the world thinks I am, so I'll go along with that. But there's no way that shouldn't have been reviewed. No way. And it wasn't reviewed because they wanted the NFL. Oh, I think it was. The I, think, N- I think it was quickly. Well, oh, you're, you're right. No. They do it differently the than the NFL. The NFL wanted Tom yeah. Brady in. That's what happened. I, no. I, for, oh, oh, I believe oh, that. I believe that. I believe that. I'm sorry, but maybe, I believe no, that. Look at, maybe they just made. You don't have to review everything. To me, I mean, you're oh, way wrong you on do. this. You do. It is ob. It was obviously not a touchdown. Maybe oh, the rep- wasn't maybe obvious. They were we don't need help with this. He obviously didn't get the second foot down. No. It look at. Look I disagree. At it I disagree. Here's the thing. If that's the case, just no, so if. that no one can question it, you review it. Look, a season's on the line here. You have to review it. Doesn't matter because the review would have come out the same way. So to, to me, it, it spilled milk. Not even spilled milk. I don't know what you're I crying think over it here. Looks it bad. obviously was not a touchdown. I think it looks re- bad. It wasn't as though they didn't review it and made the wrong choice. You know, then I you'd have a case. I go, okay, yeah. Why wouldn't you review that? Because it looks like they made the wrong call here. They didn't. They clearly made the right call. Come I on, just think it. I think it. All right. Bad optics. NHL All Star game. What? Um, Who? Okay. I've said this often before, so uh, you know I apologize if I'm repeating myself, but I don't think the NHL has a problem because the All-Star Game doesn't look like the Stanley Cup playoffs. They would have a problem if the Stanley Cup playoffs looked like the All-Star oh, Game. Yeah. So That's it's just true. a weekend of a bunch of guys getting together and playing shinny. It just so happens that this year... Uh, you know, you know, Sidney Crosby, Alexander Ovechkin says, I can't play, I'm suspended, there's no way I should take part of this. Boy, what is he? He's he's, uh, he's like Paul Bettany in the Da Vinci Code, whipping himself, right? And you just don't have the star value maybe that you used to. Some people are wondering if there's a larger question here for the NHL and that the star power just isn't there generally. Well, I think that might be a a really good issue for them. Uh, I also think that for a guy like Alex Ovechkin, who, whether he likes it or not, is one of the faces of the league, he has to be there. This is one of the things about the All-Star game. It really is a chance for the NHL to bring together their sponsors. You have to, every once in a while, give a little, how's your father, to your sponsors. That's why you're making $10 million a year, Alex. That's why you go. Well, the NHL All-Star Game is not something that I've ever been bent out of shape one way or the other, as I've mentioned. It's also not something that's a real draw for me. It's not must watch television for me no you know guys playing against each other in anger for the trophy is must watch tv for me in any sport the all-star stuff like the pro ball no doesn't do it for me the nba all-star game no doesn't do it for me uh baseball all-star game baseball all-star game is the only one that no still even even then i I can't remember the last time i watched a whole baseball all-star game none of them mean anything right i I want i want guys playing against each other with a lot on the line and uh, so it's not that i think they should do away with this stuff but you know have fun ottawa have a good weekend i'm going to be curling in brantford it's phil hayes and don landry and you're getting the gist of it Oscar nominations this week, Don, and Meryl Streep got her 17th Best Actress nomination. Seven greatest actress of her generation. Probably will no, win only not. her third for the Iron Lady. I mean, is she not the best? No, she's not. Have you ever, have you ever heard of uh, of Kate Winslet? Have you ever heard of? Although she's younger, I guess Kate Blanchett, Maggie Smith. Have you ever heard of uh, any of these ringing a bell? Yeah, they ring a bell, but uh, the bell's far off in the distance behind Meryl. No, I don't think so. Uh, you know the travesty that is 17 nominations. Not the two wins. Yes, you know what? I agree with you. Two wins, a travesty, a miscarriage. Should be one, 
Kramer versus Kramer was a terrible movie. She was awful in it. And uh, it says something about the quality of movies that came out that year. What was that, 77, 78, somewhere around there? Uh, just terrible. Uh, and Meryl, when you do win for portraying Margaret Thatcher, could you please spare us the false humility? The, oh, my God, you picked me. Oh, <laughs> what did I do to... No, is this a dream? I don't believe you. Do you like what I did in this movie? <laughs> Stop Are it. You she did that at the Golden Sally Globes. Field? No, she's worse. But uh, she did that at the Golden Globes and, and uh, raised my ire again. I'm rooting against Meryl Streep. I want her to lose. Oh. She probably won't, though. Okay, well, here's who she's up against. Uh, Michelle Williams, you got to like She's for my great. week with Marilyn. Yeah, yeah. And, and there'll be a lot of, uh, I don't want to say sympathetic votes for it, but maybe uh, because she was with Heath Ledger, the late Heath Ledger. Rooney Mara for The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I think Viola Davis might take this for the help. She's She was very good in that she movie. She was really good in yeah, that. Yeah, she really was. And Glenn Close, I haven't seen Albert Nobbs. Um, but she's another one who I think could be in that discussion of the greatest actresses of her generation. Yeah, see, there you go. I put, all right, put her name in there too. There, I'll, I'll give you that one. I don't think she's quite as good, but she's good. Yeah. All right. Um, Who do you think wins it? As I told you, I think Meryl Streep's going to win it, partly because people are going to go, what, 17 nominations? She hasn't won since 1983? Holy smoly. Well, it's kind of hard to believe she'd give what, oh, you love me, you love me kind of speech if she hasn't she won in 29 uh, years. She will. She Hello? will do that. She will be so blown away by it. Unbelievable. It'd be like the first thing she's ever won in her life. Okay. Uh, best Maybe actor. there's something to be said for that exuberance, I guess, but it, it just rubs me the wrong way coming from her. Clearly. Uh, Gary Oldman for Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Brad Pitt for Moneyball. Jean Dujardin for The Artist. The no, no, you, George the guy Clooney. didn't say anything. Well, How could he win for that? I mean, there was for my money, I think there was one movie with subtitles ever worth its salt, and it was a fantastic film. Amelie. The rest of them, I don't want to read a the movie. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the, the original Swedish one, is brilliant. Yeah. It's a great movie. All right. Uh, Moneyball Money is overrated, by the way. Can I try Yeah, go ahead. That? Yeah. Uh, much like the Oakland A's were, all right? They didn't win a, th- a single thing. And we see that in the movie. They won 20 games in a row that first year. Fine. Great. It was a record. Beautiful. But that's it. I Maybe, I you know, uh, I'm a little bit of a cynic about this because... You know, I had to live through that crap when mm-hmm. I was a sportscaster, and I got tired of hearing about the Oakland A's and Billy Bean and Saber Metrics or whatever. Well, it also it was came called. here with J.P. Richardi. Richardi. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing. Yeah. Look, it's not a bad film, but it's just not a really good one, and Brad Pitt's okay in it. And that's well, it's it. nominated for Best Picture. You uh, say it's not going to win it? No, it shouldn't be in there. You know what should be in there? Margin Call should be in there, or Rise of the uh, Planet of the Apes. Uh, Bill. Have you seen Rise of the Planet of the Apes yet? I have not. It is a very good film. I don't think I'm not sure it's Oscar worthy to tell you the truth. But if Moneyball is, then, then Rise of the Planet of the Apes is. And Andy Serkis, the guy who does all the motion capture stuff and right. plays the ape in this, he should have gotten a, a a supporting actor nomination, but he didn't. Okay, well, I'll give you that. Uh, the Artist is one of the films up for Best Picture, along with The Descendants, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, The Help, Hugo, Midnight in Paris, Moneyball. The Tree of Life, and War Horse. Now, see, I've only seen a couple of these, really. Yeah, me Money, too. Moneyball and The Help, I think. I, I've seen, yeah, I've, I've seen two. I've seen The Help and I've seen Midnight in Paris. Yeah. So uh, based on that, it's... Um, we, it's we can, The Help. Out of those three movies, yeah, yeah we <laughs> to The Help. Yeah, true enough. Okay, so we've got that figured out. Yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned some surprises not being in there. Is, there. is there something about the process with the Oscars that you think should be changed. And I bring this up only because 
we seem to get the same people over and over and over again. To me, it's a lot like the Grammys. I hate award season because you get a lot of times, you get lifetime achievement awards that really shouldn't be there. You get people voting, not that they saw anything, but because they like somebody. Yeah, people would say that it's you get the same people over and over because they're really good. You would say that about Meryl Streep. I, I would, yeah. But yeah. But, I, but again, I think a lot of times it's an emotional thing. I, I will admit, I have not seen Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Right. But... It has Sandra Bullock, who was a lovely actress. I mean, I, I'd like her, but should she have won an Oscar? I don't think so. Uh, Tom Hanks is in that, and it also has, ta-da, Sandra Bullock the 9-11 story. What did Sandra Bullock win for again? Do you remember? Oh, uh, yeah, the the other side, the, the life, the, the, oh, yeah, the yeah, tackle yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. What's the name of that? Blindside. Blind Blindside, yeah. yeah. All right, I did and, not see uh, that. Which, by the way, was not a bad movie. I did see it, and... But she was not an Academy Award winner. Come on, that was because she had Jesse James going through a divorce with her, yeah, and it was that's what maybe. happened there, don't you think? Well, no, I don't think so because I can't. Well, I don't really remember the timeline. It seems to me that the divorce thing happened after the nominations had come out. And, I think and, it happened around so, the same time. Yeah. I could be wrong, but all right. Well, look, I think Sandra Bullock's a really good dramatic actor. I don't want to ever see her do comedies anymore because I don't think she's funny, but. Speaking of that, uh, Melissa McCarthy is absolutely ferociously funny in Bridesmaids, but I don't see that as an Oscar performance. It's just a funny True. performance. True. She's nominated as a Best Supporting Actress, yeah. uh, along with Jessica Chastain in The Help, which she was great. Uh, yeah, and I didn't was. see the others. Well, I, actually, I shouldn't say that. I saw Octavia Spencer in The Help as well. And while it's likely that one of them won't win because, you know, if you like the movie, you'll go for one or the other, yeah. uh, my personal belief is that uh, Octavia Spencer should win that. She was great. That movie was fabulous. It's it was, a very it really good was. film, and it deserves to win an awful lot because margin calls not in there. The Oscars are dead to me. The Oscars are dead to me because they ignored margin call. I may not even watch, and that's not just because Billy Crystal is hosting. Oh, well, I in love his Billy day, Crystal he was hosting. fantastic, but it's, uh, it's like Johnny Carson. You know, you, you would watch him and go, you know what, Billy Crystal's almost like Dick Clark on New Year's Eve. You go, wow, he was great, but this is painful. And that's how I feel about Billy Crystal. Oh, I couldn't disagree with you more. I love the... F a matter of fact, Billy Crystal... How do you feel about being wrong twice Billy in this Crystal, one segment, Bill? He should have been the host from about 1980 on. I think he's, he's great. And seriously, I can't think of anybody who, in that period, that time period, who was ever any better than he was. I don't think there was one. Well, there wasn't anybody else. Well, they there just had kept to be. coming he, back he, to him, didn't he, they? He, he's been, well, he did it quite a lot, but uh, there have been others. I, I mean, um, there was, uh, didn't Rosie do it one year? I Is think, that right? Uh, well, now I'm trying to think of who else the did The Oscar's it. that far off my radar that I can't even remember who. You know what? Who should host everything all the time? Jane Lynch. Let Jane Lynch host everything all the time, and I'll be a happy camper. Don, you like Toronto, you like its restaurants, you like the fact that you can go and get yourself whatever, pretty much, right? Yep. Except when it comes to street meat, because really it's hot dogs and maybe the odd sausage. They've tried other things, I've seen, the, and there is the odd chip wagon, uh, but generally speaking, pretty blasé, right? Usual, I would say, yeah. but I, I can't, you know, maybe I don't have a good imagination, but I can't, ima I can't imagine how you up the game. Well, I've seen one, there was one, uh, it's a Chinese food one that's around the U of T. I've seen that a couple of times, haven't eaten there yet, but it seems to do pretty well at lunchtime around there, so maybe it's a good place. In the States, though, they've come up with some really good ones, ideas that 
I think are brilliant and should come here. A place, uh, 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 it's well, these are all, I should say. They're all food wagons, if you want, okay? Yeah. Uh, how about the Streets of Pizza? The original one is in Milwaukee. Streets of Pizza. Streets of Pizza. The original one in Milwaukee. They've now got one in Cleveland as well. Recently named America's Best Food Truck by Bloomberg Business huh. Week, which is, you know, quite right. a thing to put on your, yeah. on your, uh, on your cards. Uh, two guys own it. They, uh, what they've done is pretty much standard. You know, you can get a cheese pizza, pepperoni, veggies, whatever. See, but that doesn't really sound... Ah, but ah. they do some other stuff, like pumpkin pizza. Ooh. Crab leg pizza. No. Oh, I could go for that. And even a s'mores pizza. What? Yeah. It, oh, it's a dessert pizza. Then. Yeah, okay. it'd be really cool, though. I, I've never had a, a, a dessert pizza. I've heard of the concept. Yeah. And I got to admit, look at me. Of course I eat pizza. Hello. Uh, okay, you want to get away from pizzas? How about... You know what? Wh- Those are two of the greatest words in language, and you put them together. Dessert and pizza are, are singularly, Should each work. of them, great, great words. So you want to mush them together, I'm cool with it. Genius is so simple, isn't yeah. it? How about Solar Waffle Works? This one's in Portland, Oregon. A city, by the way, I really want to go to. I, I hear it's one of the best places to go. And apparently, it is America's unofici- unofficial street food capital. There's a whole bunch of creative roadside stuff How do stuff they get there. to be official, though? That's, that's the It's tough. It's tough. But if you're Surely going, they're on. you want to go to North Williams and Northeast Tillamook. All right. It's a great name for a street, isn't it? Uh, there you have Solar Waffle Works. It's fabulous. They have, uh, well, quirky stuff like sweet jams, maple syrup, flavors like, and get the load of this, a Gouda cheese and bacon waffle. Now, I'm wow. not sure about the Gouda cheese, but bacon, pile it on. I'm in. That's a, Yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. Well, we were talking about Glory Hole Donuts last week, remember, and they had the bacon and waffle donut, mm-hmm. which sounds kind of weird when you first you know, think about it, but then he, oh, Taste might go together, all right. It's a little different too, because it's not just about the food. Although apparently the food is pretty cool. No, it's even more impressive. It's solar powered. The truck is. They've partnered with a company called Soul Trekker. It's a nonprofit organization that provides free renewable energy education to low-income schools. So you hmm. get good food and you help someone out. That's a great idea. And there's one other I want to mention to you. How do you like macaroni and cheese? Love it. K, are you a big uh, KD fan? Craft dinner. Look at the best restaurant. It's not the best. There's a place in New York City called Smack. S apostrophe M A C. All they do is macaroni, oh. and it's like a pizza place. And then you can order the Parisian. You can order right you different know, place. The, yeah, okay. Uh, the buff. I had the the buffalo. My wife and I went there, and we ordered like four different small versions of these macaroni. You're not going to tell me macaroni. buffalo wings. Buffalo wings macaroni. Get out! So, and then we just nibbled them, and some of them, different kinds of cheeses. It's called Smack. I'm not exactly sure where it is, but if you're going to tell me one of these places or like it is opening in Toronto, then... No, this is called Cap Mac. Oh, right. Again, it's a food truck, uh, and it's got a whole bunch of different ideas on macaroni and cheese. Yeah. Marco Bolo, which is a traditional beef bolognese with Parmesan cheese and cream. Yeah. Uh, handmade chicken, Parmesan meatballs. Uh, there's a uh, <laughs> goat cheese macaroni with crispy onions, fall greens, and braised pork. Wonderful. Oh, yeah. And that's from a Where food is this? truck. That one's in Washington, D.C. We need one here. We do. And, and as a matter of fact, we could use one of each of those. Yeah. Well, it's, in fact, when we came back from New York City, my wife and I said, well, this is what we need to do. We, we're going to change our lives. We're going to open up some kind of restaurant. It's going to be a macaroni one. We even started to come up with funny names for macaroni and cheese. I'm not going to tell anybody what they are because you know what? We may just actually do this. We don't have a gourmet macaroni place in Toronto, and we need one. May I make a suggestion? Okay. How about Glory Hole Macaroni?
bad music. I know what that means. we got to wrap it up. The gist of it is done for another week. But since we were talking about food and such, I would like to wish you a happy Robbie Burns Day and, and wonder if you'd like to find some haggis. That, look at that. That's what we need in Toronto is a street vendor that sells just haggis. I don't really? have a name for Hey, street sheep. Would you be interested in eating at a place called street sheep? No. How about no. how about Glory Hole Haggis? <laughs> it always comes back to Glory Hole on the gist of it. And that's the gist of it for another week. The gist of it is available every Wednesday afternoon through iTunes or at domlandry.com. <laughs>